Something you might have heard recently is the phrase or term cognitive diversity. We're all familiar with that phrase diversity, meaning diversity in terms of perhaps ethnicity, the proportional representation of people from different backgrounds in your team, perhaps in your workshops as, as an entrepreneur. But the term cognitive diversity reminds us that people think in different ways. People have different perspectives. They view the world differently. And that might be true for you. In fact, it more than likely is. The way that I see the world is not necessarily the way that someone in my classroom, one of my clients might see the world. So we have to be more aware of how people think and what that means for our relationship with them. And this is no more, it's, it's really true, I would say, when it comes to leadership, because you've got to be able to bring the different kinds of strengths and abilities and perspectives in your team to bear on the challenges of your team, the challenges that your team face. My guest today is Anne Herman Nady. She is the CEO, or as she describes herself, chair of the board and chief thought leader for Herman. You might have heard of Herman, you probably have. And it's all about how to focus on the differences in thinking and how we can leverage that thinking across teams, individuals, and organizations. And Anne is a second-generation Herman insofar as her father began this company and her son now leads this company. And their database, HBDI database, contains over 3 million assessments from around the globe. So today is a great opportunity to understand not just what that model means, how it's applied, what Herman does, but also the meaning of diversity in thinking, cognitive diversity, and maybe as we end the conversation, we'll address what this means for technology and how it's integrated into the kinds of tools that we use in the near future. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hey, welcome to the Training Business Podcast. My name is Mark, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to another episode of the show. This is the weekly show for self-employed consultants, coaches, trainers, facilitators, freelancers, working around the world. And the focus of this show is on the business of you and I making money from our programs, our workshops, our products, our services. Maybe you're at the beginning of this journey. Maybe you have your own expert brand and business already. Either way, this is a chance to listen to other people and reflect on the guests that we have each week and what they can help you with always full of ideas, insights, and inspiration. I, as the host, learn a lot from people on the show, and I hope you do too. I'm a self-employed trainer. I'm a coach. I'm a published author. And I get to sit behind the mic here and have wonderful people on the show, entrepreneurs, authors, um, scientists, people who can help us as entrepreneurs, help us as experts in our field, and if you've not yet followed or subscribed, now is the opportunity to do so. So please click on subscribe or follow, depending on the podcast platform you're on, and you'll then be notified of great episodes as they come out. As I said before the music, my guest today is Anne Herman, and this is going to be really, really interesting. 
Anne, hi, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. You're based in North Carolina today? I am in the mountains of beautiful North Carolina with a gorgeous spring day. All right. You're chair of the board and chief thought leader. That's how you describe yourself for Herman. (laughs) And uh, you've been in the business quite a while. Let's familiarize people with, first of all, what Herman does, what it stands for, what the HBDI uh, system or database is all about, what it contains, and let's go from there. Absolutely. Well, Herman actually comes from um, my father's name, my dad. I grew up with someone who was leading um, learning and development at General Electric. And so I grew up in a household with someone who was doing the work that we're all very familiar with. So used to come home at dinner and a flip chart would appear right at the table. Um, so we were, Seriously? we were growing up in an environment of uh, constant learning, let me say that. And uh, so um, I am actually a second generation leader for this company, which he started after he left GE and uh, now have uh, my son who's now leading it as a third generation leader. So we, Herman comes from from that origin, but basically what we're about is uh, understanding what makes people tick. In other words, how are they thinking Mm. and how does that thinking relate to their ability to learn, to perform, to team And, um, you know, there's a lot of research that's exploded in recent years around uh, the brain. This research actually started about 40 years ago, um, looking at the brain before it was kind of cool and popular to talk about, um, and really unpacking how you... Um, what's happening in your in your brain, and um, the, the the work led to the development of a metaphor and an assessment that allows you to very quickly describe, understand, and then apply an understanding of how you think um, to your day to day life, how you solve problems, make decisions. So we've been working um, around the globe for over forty years, and. Um, have this assessment that you mentioned, the HBDI, the Herman Brain mm-hmm. Dominance Assessment, mm-hmm. that came out of that initial research, and which um, is a you know kind of a the beginning of someone's journey in terms of how they can become a more whole brain thinker. In other words, how do you better use all of that capacity that you have there in your brain mm. um, that you may or may not be tapping into um, on a day to day basis? So, in essence, that's kind of what we what we're all about. Okay, so we're going to touch upon that phrase you've just used, the whole brain approach. Most of us who are familiar with tools like uh, 16 Personalities or Hogan or Belbin or Colby, we don't know where to start. We're thinking, you know, why would I, as a a practitioner running our own consultancy, certify in one of these? What would you say is the USP for HBDI, for Herman? Well, basically, we give people a way to... Um, very up close and personal, understand themselves with a model that is very easy to remember and easy to apply. And it's focused on thinking. So one of the things that is always the dilemma with assessments, and there are many, many assessments Mm. out there, is to understand, well, why use one versus another? Exactly. And the reason there's so many is that the premise of each assessment is different. So you've got personality, you've got behavior, you've got you know different kinds of psychological constructs, you've got career, etc. Our premise is thinking, right? And so uh, much of what we do in our day to day existence is related to thinking. And sure. so that is why. Well, I that's hope really so. Why. Yes, that's right. One would <laughs> Some hope. of us are on autopilot, maybe. <laughs> that's right. Um, you know, years ago, it was funny. We had a manager come up to us and say. Uh, 
So what in the world does the brain have to do with management? Well, you know, kind of everything, right? You might want to, mm. could have wanted to say, well, in your case. <laughs> um, but in, in, and so I think the, the real, the real value add is being able to link what it is that we learn from an assessment to what we do every day in the flow of work. So a lot of our focus is making this not a one-time thing where you go off and you complete an assessment and it's great, and then you go back and do what you were doing. It's more about how do I learn something about how I think and immediate, immediately apply it to that conversation I'm having or that decision I have to make or that problem I've been struggling with for the last two weeks or how do I uh, you know, approach this particular client who has not been responding to the way I've been approaching them. So, all of those kinds of applications are really what we feel is most important when you go through an assessment. So the assessment's just the beginning. The real meat is in the application. Okay. And as you say in your LinkedIn profile, my work or your work is specialized on the practical application of neuroscience. And I think that's that's quite interesting to to tackle. Many people might say, well, what have what have these assessments got to do with running a business or leading a team of people? It's easy to get caught in the, the neuroscience, some of which is sometimes tangential or obtuse. It's hard to understand. And it's even harder to think, well, where does this actually get, or is where should it be applied in a practical sense? So if we're thinking about where thinking can actually help someone running their own business or even working with people, leaders in other companies, where would, let's say, helping others to think better, if that's the word to use, or more practically, or bring neuroscience to bear on leadership issues, where would that actually best be applied? Well, I'll speak directly to, I think, um, maybe the challenge that some in your audience might be you know, um, able to relate to most, and that is running your business in the the space that we're in and and the learning and development field, which I've been doing for many years myself. And so um, as a leader, um, we're all constantly confronted with um, challenges and situations, some of which we are absolutely perfectly suited for and are thinking locks and loads and we're off and running and everything's working brilliantly. Sometimes we have challenges where we've maybe not got quite the same um, speed of processing, comfort level, background, etc. And so we might find ourselves hitting some blind spots along the way or finding ourselves in a situation that um, we didn't expect and getting caught off guard. So one of the best ways, and I apply this in, the, in, in my day-to-day business, um, as well as, as helping leaders around the globe um, apply it, is to think about it. And I've got a model that might be helpful for people to understand the whole brain um, model, which um, starts by looking at one aspect of business, which is what is the payoff, right? So that's one mode of thinking. It's in our model. It's that analytical part of who we are. And uh, if you don't pay attention to the payoff in business, if you're not paying attention to your client's payoff, then they are going to have a hard time making a decision, spending money with you. So you, if you do not naturally speak that language, then you need to surround yourself with people who can help you articulate that message. What is the ROI of, of, of what it is that you're delivering? And, and not sort of kind of 
say, well, you know, it's all just really good and hope that people will figure out what the value is. At the end of the day, most business people who we are selling to need to know what what they're going to get out of it and what the payoff is. So, being able to have that analytical approach is really important. It's also really important to be able to think about what processes you need to have in place to effectively deliver what it is that you're selling. And some of us naturally go to process. We love a plan. We start from the beginning and step one, step two, step three. And our model, that's more of our structured self. And that, you know, if you don't have that in place, and we've all been there where I had somebody say to me, well, everything was going great until I realized I just didn't have the billing infrastructure in place that was allowing me to bill in a timely way and get what it was I needed from my clients. I was doing everything else brilliantly, but my process was getting in the way of my actually getting the money, right? So you can do a great job selling and getting the payoff clear to your client and then not Mm. be able to collect the funds. So having that process in place is really important, but also just the planning and the ability to provide the detail and structure that's really required for people to know how to interact with your company. The third P is people. And that seems so obvious in our space, but it's that relationship building. It's that ability to to make that connection, to, to provide that ability to understand and empathize with your client and customer and deliver against what it is that they need mm-hmm. and to intuitively be able to sense what's going on. And so that that people piece and that ability to build those customer relationships authentically is is so critical, obviously, to what it is that we do. And then also being able to, you know, um, understand the culture and build, you know, solutions that fit the culture of uh, that organization for a client or even build your own culture as a company. Um, And then finally, the last P is possibilities. And entrepreneurs will relate to this. It's that ability to see the future, to be able to see where it is that you can take um, your clients and your company and those that you bring along with you to deliver really new, interesting kinds of concepts and ideas. So, all four of these. Now, if you're if you're struggling with one of them, then your chances are you're going to not be able to grow your business as effectively. And then ultimately, every one of your clients has got these same challenges. So what's nice about this particular model is you could apply it to yourself and begin to sort of look for clues when you're talking to one of your customers and say, ah, are they looking for something? Are they looking for data? Trying to understand the payoff? Are they needing a clearer process? Are they needing to build a better relationship? Or are they needing to see where I can take them in terms of a vision? And that will help you build your own business and also help you better respond to your clients' needs in the process. So that's a very quick overview. But um, in simple terms, it's almost immediately applicable. And I invite people to think about those relationships or those client engagements that didn't go so well. And which of those four actually just didn't work as well as it it maybe it, it it could have and chances are your preferences may have had something to do with that so um mm. you know starting with yourself and then understanding your clients is really the best way to apply this well i have a big training proposal in with the prospective client so i'll tell you monday if that's worked for me <laughs> Good. I'll, I'll think of the which of the four pieces so that one one time one more time the four p's are payoff process people and possibilities um, so that's thinking like an entrepreneur, f- focusing on those four P's, payoff, process, people, and possibilities. What is the whole brain approach? Because that's a trademark that you have, yes. the whole brain approach. What does that mean practically? So what that practically means is that you are using all four of those particular areas um, as as a situation requires it. You know, when you think about thinking agility and, you know, all of the work that's out there, Kahneman's work and other work out there that talks about our need 
to be able to not just stay in one on mm. one track all of the time. That's just even if it was possible before, it's 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 actually in today's environment um, untenable, right? So you have to be agile enough to adapt to the the changes that we've we experience on a, on a daily basis. So thinking agility as we define it is that ability to intentionally shift your thinking as the situation requires it, not as we prefer to think. So a whole brain approach means that you're actually leveraging your own cognitive diversity, using all four of those Ps to adapt to a situation as is required. So any given situation traditionally is going to actually be more than just one of those four. And a lot of models out there are kind of an either-or construct that says, well, you're either this or you're that. Mm-hmm. Our model shows that we actually have access to all four of these. So we have the potential in each of us to be a whole brain thinker situationally, but we need to be aware of that and be very intentional and conscious about that. And that can lead to incredible results in terms of your ability to do much more than you might have done had you only focused on one or two um, aspects of the whole brain model. I'm over at your website right now, thinkherman.com. And you say that it's, I like this actually, it's our time-tested framework to decode and harness the cognitive diversity, love that phrase, of individuals, teams, and organizations. We're all familiar with the idea of diversity in terms of ethnicity. Um, Not too many people talk about cognitive diversity. Why is that important in terms of harnessing the power, the resourcefulness of individuals, teams, and organizations? Well, it's. um, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it is at the forefront of what a lot of business leaders are looking for today, which is how do you bring together different kinds of thinking mm-hmm. in a way where the sum is more than, than than the parts, right? So when you and and in almost every situation, we tend to gravitate towards people who think more like us because it's easy. You know, um, yeah. I start a sentence, you finish that sentence, it just sort of flows naturally. And um, and you know, that's great <laughs> and it's comfortable, but does that give you the best possible? Um, idea? Does that give you the best possible solution? So, uh, cognitive diversity um, has been shown to actually create much greater innovative results when you put together a team of different kinds of thinkers. We've seen in our research that teams that are comprised of different kinds of thinkers, in other words, are cognitively diverse, can have up to 66% more effectiveness if people understand and value the differences of the people in the room. So it's not just enough to throw people together. You have to then be able to understand value and know how to leverage that diversity so that you can get better thinking. So it's really one of the best places to start if you're having a diversity initiative. And many of the organizations that we work with around the globe, um, including the Cleveland Cavaliers, for example, use this as a way to, to introduce the idea of difference and thinking in a way that is very non-judgmental and easy for people to understand. So we might look very different on the outside and think in similar ways, or we may look very similar on the outside and think in very different ways. So by giving people a model and a safe place 
to have a conversation about difference, you can then engage in a, in a more on uh, a deeper conversation about some of those other differences that you mentioned earlier. So mm-hmm. it's um it's a very powerful way to have a conversation about how to best really take advantage of all the thinking that um, everyone's bringing to work every single day. So we have four colors. Again, I'm at an advantage because I'm looking at this uh, as a diagram here. And you have a blue, a yellow, a green, and a red. So the primary colors, if that's correct, they're primary colors, I guess. Um, We have then two axes, if you will, theoretical, realistic, rational, intuitive. So whereas some models focus on behavior, this appears to be focusing on thinking. How easy is it to say where this pays dividends? If, If we, let's say, use this model, this framework, where would you see benefits in terms of, say, developing leaders, developing teams? I would say that first and foremost, it is that ability to um, increase the effectiveness of the collaboration of those who are in the team. At a leadership level, it's that ability to first and foremost understand how to get out of your own way to best leverage your strengths. And there's a lot, there are several models out there that focus on strengths, Yeah. but um, our model looks at not only strengths, but also those areas where we might also have some challenges. So the leaders that we work with find the greatest insight and value first and foremost in understanding, okay, this explains why I show up the way that I do. Mm -hmm. And also why others might be frustrated with the fact that I'm not able to actually give them what they need because they don't understand my thinking. And at the end of the day, it's the leader's responsibility to then be able to translate what it is that their followers need, right? In terms of um, thinking to be able to then take that vision or that plan or that initiative and translate that into something mm-hmm. that is that is viable and actionable and executable. With the team, that then becomes um, sort of supercharges the, t- the ability for the team to then communicate um, with a common language. And then ultimately, uh, an organization will have that common language. And without judgment, being able to say, I need some, I need some more facts here. Can you give me some more mm. analytical thinking so that I can actually make this decision? Or I'm getting lost in that, you know, possibilities, big picture thinking. I, I don't, I don't actually know what you're asking me to do here. Can you come back down to earth and, and give me something more practical and process oriented? Mm. So that ability to have that common language in a safe and non-judgmental way and in a way that is so practical and applies to business so easily is why I would say the the leaders of, you know, it's nine out of 10 of the Fortune um, 200 who, who are applying this. That's why they, that's why they adopt it is right. because it's just, it, it applies, it was built in a business environment at GE originally to solve business issues and, and it applies very naturally to that mm-hmm. kind of situation. So I can see again from your website, you work with DuPont, the big um, corporation producing, well, it's a huge company, full stop. Microsoft, another billion dollar company or even trillion dollar company, Westpac. These are huge brands. And you're helping them with things like integrating, let's say, company A with company B, following an M&A, merger and acquisition. You're helping them with perhaps building a culture where they're more effective as a team. And also to to drive innovation, and that there are three areas that jump off the page to me. A lot of companies can't innovate quickly enough, and they die. Some companies acquire the companies, and they can't merge. We'll not name them. There are quite a few examples of that. <laughs> we Some know real, those. We know those. 
And then we've got others who perhaps just don't seem to be able to create a culture where everyone seems to fit in and belong. And, and there's a clash of styles. There's a clash of behavior, perhaps at different levels of the organization or in different parts of different matrices in the organization. So if I said to you, why would company X come to Herman? Why would you, why would I knock on your door and say, I need your help? What is a typical scenario? I've named three typical average scenario where a company wants your help to help their people to think better, more well- effectively. Typically, it is related to a specific challenge like the ones that you mentioned. And so it's, you know, we know that we've, we're hiring all these brilliant people. Why aren't we getting more innovation? Why isn't that happening? We know that we have some of the smartest people at the top of the leadership of this organization, yet we struggle to get these initiatives executed in the way that we absolutely know they need to be for us to succeed. So a CEO might say, I want the best One CEO came to me uh, and said, I want the best corporate team to allow us to significantly accelerate our growth in the next three years. How do we do that? How do we take the brains at the table and and, and make that happen? Um, And then lots of change situations like M&A, like a pivot, a major pivot in an organization is another application that is often um, applicable. Um, And then, of course, Leadership and development in teams has been um, a mainstay um, in terms of you know a more traditional L and D buyer who is looking for a way to say how do I provide um, a common language and a very practical tool that doesn't feel like a one-off ass- assessment experience but something that they people can use every single day um, in the flow of work. We just built a um, in, in response to that. Uh, we built a, an integration into Microsoft Teams so that not only do I learn about my own thinking, but I have my team data right inside of Microsoft oh. Teams where I live every single day. And I, you know, if I'm struggling to get this meeting to go more effectively, I've got the tools right there. I can look up somebody's profile kind of on demand. And so we, our focus is really to sort of say, how do we make this so easy, so kind of at your fingertips that you can use it almost immediately day in and day out to make, to make you know, your day go more smoothly, to be a better leader, to have the team better interact, to deal with those conflictual situations that we all have to face. Um, and and as, a, you know, as a CEO, to be able to say, I understand how to get from point A to point B um, in the most effective way possible and leading, you know, what could be thousands and thousands of brains along the way. I like this. And I must say, it's quite refreshing to, to find more and more people trying to, or at least attempting to figure out not just what someone is, but why they think and, and what that makes them. How can we, how can we work with what we have? We can't always we can try to change people, but we have to recognize that we have a diversity of thinking and often perspectives. And what I also see is increasing awareness of this among learning and development professionals. The fact is that we have to respond to the marketplace. We have to respond to people whom we're training, whom we're leading, and and let's say flex, if you will, or adapt to the way that they think. And I've seen an increase in tools doing this. So you've just mentioned your integration with with Microsoft Teams, which I think is really interesting. I did not know that. So what you're saying is I could literally look up someone's profile and figuring out uh, from the data 
that this person perhaps prefers bullet points, whereas this person prefers, prefers a more in-depth explanation, and they're more likely to have deeper questions based upon what I say to them, for example. Absolutely. And yeah. that way I can, I can, you know, I can better respond to what it is that they need in the moment um, and have the tool. It's kind of like a spell check in a way, if you know what I mean. Mm. I can go in and yeah. I can say, oh, wait a minute. Now, rather than just going with my default response, which is what we normally do, <laughs> um, and hope that that's going to work for the other person, how do I, how do I save myself some time and hopefully some energy on their end um, so that we can, we can better connect and get where we want to go um, in a more effective way for both of us, really. Right. And at the same time, I'm building that muscle in my own brain to be able to stretch and be more agile as a thinker. So there's another bonus for me if I, if I make that effort on my end. So we have tools like your Herman approach, and you've mentioned the integration. And this brings me to my last question. And this is perhaps going out on a limb here. But if we think of the trend with uh, AI, chat GPT, we think of integration like your tool with Microsoft Teams. Um, where do you see this going? These tools which allow us to flex or adapt our communication style. Where will that serve us best in the near future? If you think of the direction that Herman's going and perhaps where AI and these kinds of tools are bringing us. It's interesting that you bring that up. As a matter of fact, I'm doing a webinar on Tuesday on the metaverse and whole brain thinking. Okay. Um, and uh, very excited about it because... We're, we are actually looking at the integration of ChatGPT and some other tools and how you can use that to accelerate your ability to, you know, to better expand your thinking and be a more, a greater whole brain thinker. Um, and it's going to be a, a really exciting, uh, opportunity, I think, for us to share, um, kind of what's happening out there. We, as a company decided last year because of the pandemic, we couldn't do our annual kickoff meeting face-to-face. -face, so we actually held it in the metaverse um, and oh. experienced that as, a, as, as an organization, which was frankly a really interesting experience for all of us. Um, and uh, we continue to, uh, to, 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 to learn ourselves how to apply this. But I believe that at the end of the day, it's all about better engaging and leveraging what we have. And so what, what technology does is it augments that. It allows us to do even more than what we can do. And it takes away some of the, the stuff that's less appealing, less interesting in terms of our using our cognitive capacity. So what's, what's so exciting for me is that um, we have huge opportunities to better leverage our thinking and to better understand what it is that we can do um, by appropriate leveraging of technology and understanding whole brain thinking can better help you navigate that world and uh, help you understand what you're going to be nervous about, more comfortable with. And uh, we'll have lots of fun exploring that next week in, in, in the webinar. So um, I encourage people, I'm sure we'll, we'll get the information so you can post it there on, on, on next, next Tuesday. It'll be an exciting, um, exciting webinar and uh, would love to have people attend if they're interested and it'll be a lot of fun. It's on the 28th of, and it'll be recordings available. If you're listening to this podcast after that date, um, it'll be very exciting. So hope. Yeah. To I can't wait there. to see what, what your app, cause you have a HBDI app. I can't wait to see what that app looks like in a few years time with the integration of things like chat GPT or, or some equivalent technology. Um, it's really exciting. And uh, I'm going to check out the app for sure. That's for sure. I'm I'm really intrigued. I think anything which helps one's thinking has got to be 
something to be looked at. It's, it's worth worth investing time. In Absolutely. Sure. I mean, you know, we've got it. Let's let's leverage it and then then to use all the tools that we've got, right? <laughs> so um, we we um, I think it's it's a more exciting time for me. Um, even though I've been involved in this work, as I mentioned, as a as a, as a kid growing up with a father who was doing research on the brain, um, never have I been as excited as I am now because I think the the, the possibilities are are limitless. So yes. Um, Yes, it can only it only get more interesting as we move forward. Where can people find out more about you, and where would you like me to direct listeners? Yes, so they can find us at thinkherman.com. It's H-E-R-R-M-A-N-N. Um, and uh, you can find me on LinkedIn with the same spelling of Herman. Um, and our company is is there as well. Um, and I invite people to connect with me on LinkedIn, reach out if you have any questions, as well as uh, check out our website. I've got a TEDx talk that explains the background of this um, that we'll provide a link um, to. And um, would love to engage in dialogue with your listeners. Fantastic. And thank you so much for being my guest today on the show. Thank you. Huge thanks to my guest this week on the show, Anne Herman Nady. And you'll find a link to Anne's profile on today's show notes over at trainingbusiness.com. And you can check out Anne's website or her company's website over at www.thinkherman.com. Com. That's T-H-I-N-K Herman.com. Huge thanks to you for your time this week listening to this week's episode of the Training Business Podcast. If you have a question or a suggestion, you can email me directly, mark at trainingbusiness.com. My team and I, Sam, Joe, James, and Turul, appreciate your listenership, your loyalty, and the fact that you're telling other people about the show. And I know that because people have said to me, yeah, we've rec- I've recommended this in my LinkedIn profile or I've shared the episode with my friends or colleagues in a particular group. If you know consultants, trainers, coaches, facilitators, let them know about the show. And I would really appreciate that. If you've not yet subscribed, please click on follow or subscribe right now to be notified of great episodes. Costs absolutely nothing and takes only a couple of seconds. Fresh episode next Thursday. Until then, look after yourself. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.